Hello, my name is Lawrence Russell, Deputy Editor of Connectivity Business News. You're listening to The Dish Podcast. With me today is Professor Andy Coronius, CEO of SmartSat CRC, an academic consortium partnering with global industry to advance satellite technology funded by the Australian government. Andy, how are you today? I am very well. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Uh, Would you like to introduce your company a little bit more for those uh, not aware of what SmartSat does? Yes, absolutely. Uh, SmartSat Cooperative Research Centre is a consortium of industry, university and government labs. Uh, and so it is it is a a government federal government funded program but it also uh, receives funding from its members members uh, of the consortium we have more than 130 organizations in australia we are the largest space research uh, center in australia and we have more than 130 organizations some of those are global companies like British Aerospace, like Talis, uh, like um, uh, Airbus and, and Northrop Grumman from the US and others. Others are SMEs, primarily Australian SMEs, but also some international SMEs. And then, of course, we also have a very large number of new space startup uh, companies that have become on basically started about five years ago, three to five years ago, because Australia hasn't really had a space uh, industry in the past. And now it is able to really average the the new space environment. So we are very excited about that. And SmartSat provides a lot of the research-led innovation for space activity in Australia. Terrific. On that note, what are the most important priorities of the Australian space economy in 2023? Well, the Australian government and the Australian Space uh, Agency have a target of tripling the economy. Uh, the, the economy is around $5 billion. We want to triple that and we want to double the number of jobs that exist in Australia in the space and spatial industries. So it's a very big objective. And the government has been very, very supportive with a number of initiatives. Of course, the SmartSat CRC is one of those. We were we received $55 million from the federal government, and our members have contributed $190 million. So we're looking at a quarter of a billion dollars of R&D. But of course, there's a lot of other initiatives and activities. Basically, the main objective for Australia is to build a space industry, a viable space industry, have a seat able internationally. So it, to become a globally capable, space-capable country. Uh, so that that is really the overall goal for uh, the entire industry. And I should say this ecosystem, because industry also involves our universities. They do some gr- amazing work in this area. Let's get into some of the work of uh, SmartSat. Could you tell us about the Maya Nula research program to develop Australian Earth observation capability? Yes, the Maya Nula or Maya Nula stands for it's a it's a First Nations language. It stands for eyes from above, being uh, uh, essentially looking at uh, Australia, um, observing and monitoring 
activity on Earth. Uh, Australia doesn't really have any uh, assets to be able to take a selfie of it. It relies very much on other large initiatives like the European Space Agency, like the the um, US initiatives, uh, Landsat, Sentinel in, in Europe, and so on. And what we want is to actually build capability, a certain Earth observation capability, but apply it to agriculture and the environment. And the Mayor Nuller is very much around using existing data, generate new space data, and focusing in a number of areas that are important to Australia, and I think important to the whole world, because as we know, the population of the world is going to reach nearly 10 billion in the next 20 years. We need to feed the world. At the moment, Australia is very strong in agriculture, but it needs to actually do it much more efficiently, much more sustainably, and looking after our environment at the same time. Because as we all know, uh, climate change is impacting adversely in, in, in different areas, but certainly in food production as well. So, so we will focus our research around yield, uh, in other words, health of the crops, uh, around the soil health, uh, and particularly carbon soil, uh, carbon in soil. Also, biosecurity is very, very important to us. Australia has very big objectives to make sure that we don't have, for instance, uh, some, some of the biosecurity issues that Europe and others have had in the past. And of course, agri-climate, how we arm and, and, and engage in agriculture in a way that we protect the environment instead of destroying it. Exactly. As a foreigner, I can't help but think of um, the Scottish wildfire uh, situation that shocked the world. Uh, Earth observation is uh, quite handy for um, uh, uh, taking care of forestry and watching for these sort of disasters early. Absolutely. And indeed, we have the SmartSat CRC has been operating now for about four years, and we have more than 100 projects that we have initiated in a number of areas, uh, including some defense projects as well. But certainly bushfire detection, a bushfire uh, responding bushfires, a lot of projects we've already kind of uh, have began and made some progress in those. Fantastic. So you've also done work uh, developing emergency communications for NASA. Could you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in, in, in fact, uh, the, the initial project looked at uh, the COSPASAR system, which is the emergency communications, the emergency distress uh, beacon uh, here. Uh, it's an international program. More than 40 countries subscribe to it. But it actually is uh, something like 35 to 40 year old technology. And it's only one way. So if you are at bush, as in Australia, we have a lot of bush, a lot of areas where you cannot use your mobile phone. Australia is a very it's a huge landmark. Only about a very small fraction is actually actually has connectivity. So if something happens to someone in the bush, uh, we you you have to actually use some kind of distress signal. But the distress the distress beacons at the moment are only one way. So yes, you can send a signal. You don't know if that signal has been received, 
and certainly he cannot receive an acknowledgement or send any any kind of um, indication of what urgency is. We were working with NASA on this, and um, we developed some very some novel waveforms that NASA really liked, and now they're adopting it Artemis probe for emergency communication, sorry, emergency rescue beacons on the moon when they get there. So tiny, very low power distress beacons will be attached on the spacesuits as well as the lunar rover, but there is emergency connectivity once they have the satellite, uh, the lunar satellite constellations. Uh, we all can see the moon and think it's flat, uh, but actually, there are and some of the areas on the moon are two kilometers deep. So uh, as the astronauts begin to move about, you will have situations where an emergency situation will occur. And so we are making a contribution to that. Fantastic. You mentioned uh, the defense work of SmartSat earlier. Could you update us on the progress of the Corus terminal prototype? I know you um, developed something to show people earlier in this year. Yes, in fact, we un unveiled the the chorus terminal, which is uh, it's basically uh, a uh, it's a combination uh, a technology that combines radio optical communications in one terminal. As you know, um, radio frequency is great. Radio frequency lower. Uh, bandwidth, particularly from ground to satellite. Uh, and um, it's it's also uh, very susceptible to uh, to in terms of um, cybersecurity threats, geolocation in uh, in in interception and so on. But optical communications on the other hand is very high data rates. It's having, if you like an optical fiber, uh, fiber optical, but on on free space, optical communications are much more, uh, much higher bandwidth, and they are less susceptible to interference, less susceptible to interception by foreign uh, by by cyber threats. But of course, it doesn't work if there are cloud covers, if things in the middle. What we've done is we combined in one terminal, we've combined optical and RF communications to automatically switch. If you are transmitting and receiving in optical mode, but if there is an obstruction, if there is cloud, rain, snow, etc., then it automatically switches to radio frequency communications. And that gives you the best of both worlds. Defense, uh, we've already unveiled and of this and defense is telling it as we speak fantastic rolling this all together could you interest introduce this to your 2030 space and spatial roadmap who will this help and how the space spatial roadmap was an exercise which began two or three years ago now to to identify what are the strengths of australia what are the strengths of each uh industry capabilities in industry, the capabilities in universities, and the capabilities, the great capabilities that we have in some of our government labs, like Geoscience Australia, the CRO, which is a science organization in Australia, and um, 
and to bring them all together so that collectively we will be able to develop a roadmap of activity to bring Australia to escapable nations, as I've said in the beginning, and to also provide opportunities for Australia to grow its space industry in line with the government objectives, uh, which is tripling the economy by 2030. That's seven years away. So that was an exercise that involved the space agency, the major government departments, industry and universities, uh, and they developed their own website uh, of, of the, uh, the 2030 Roadmap Committee, but also on our website as well. Taking a, a big step back now, uh, the Asia Pacific is the sec- is second only to the north to North America when it comes to space. What part should Australasia play in it? Well, we believe that Australia has a very unique. First of all, it has some great advantages. It has a, a lot of advantages for launch, a lot of uh, quiet skies, electronically quiet skies. It has a very low population, certainly in Australia at least. Uh, in terms of being able to to provide launch facilities, but also ground uh, station facilities for the entire globe. And we do that. We have a number of arrangements and a number of facilities and installations here, installations here in Australia. But of course, Australia far building its surety in this high-tech area of space, and particularly now that it is becoming far more affordable. For for space for for nations have a presence in space and tribute uh, to the space uh, to the global space initiatives, Australia has an opportunity to provide leadership. Uh, it has um, the ability for us to uh, we have some very good capabilities. Our universities have some very good capabilities, and we can provide a lot of support globally. And of course. At the moment, Australia, by building its maturity there, can also provide support to the Pacific nations uh, in terms of climate change affecting sea level rising, uh, the various disasters that haven't happened, unfortunately, on a almost regular basis. We can provide that support as a nation to our neighbors here in in, uh, in the Pacific uh, area. But equally, of course, and unfortunately, the geopolitical environment has shifted quite towards the South Pacific. Uh, And because of that, Australia with AUKUS and Quad and other initiatives like that, we can play our part in providing security in in the South Pacific and and indeed uh, all over the, the globe. Wonderful. Uh, Professor Andy Coronios, thank you very much for your answers today. They've been invaluable. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the DISH podcast. We want to remind our listeners about the upcoming Connectivity Next Summit 2023, presented by Connectivity Business News. The event is scheduled for November 13th to the 14th in Atlanta and will focus on trends and opportunities in satellite telecom connectivity. The summit will provide insights into the latest developments and trends that are changing how connectivity professionals create strategic plans for SATCOM development, deployment, and commercialization. 
be sure to take advantage of early bird pricing while it's still available at connectivitynextsummit.com.